to the 34th episode of The Week with Roger, a conversation between analysts about all things telecom, media, and technology from Recon Analytics. I'm Don Kellogg, and with me as always is Roger Entner. How you doing, Roger? <laughs> I'm good. Awesome. So earnings continue to roll in. Recently, we got results from a number of the smaller uh, wireless providers, so Comcast, Charter, Dish, and Altice, all reported, just to kind of run through the numbers real quick, Charter added uh, 300,000 net ads and wireless. Comcast added about 278,000. Altice barely positive at about 5,000. And then Dish lost 161,000 customers in Q1. Roger, what are your thoughts on these numbers as we see them? Well, I think the trend continues. Cable is is taking share and it's growing. I think we also see that there's still this difference in in business model between Charter and Comcast. We saw that particularly, or we could hear it particularly in the earnings call, where Tom Rutledge was asked about profitability because Comcast now is is EBITDA profitable with their wireless operation, whereas Charter is not yet. And in in the earnings call from, from Charter, it was mentioned that they are actually profitable on a no-growth business and that they're very focused to add as many customers as possible. And that is what's driving the losses because it's a business that that thrives on scale and they they are in this for the long haul so that's why we're seeing a much more aggressive and higher numbers with charter even though that their footprint is smaller than that of comcast because it plays out that comcast is in this much more from a retention perspective rather than from a profitability perspective. It will be very interesting to see if Charter is following Comcast's lead in where they changed the rate plan, right? Yeah, I thought that was interesting, right? So Comcast changed their pricing such that it's more attractive to have multi-line accounts with them now, right? So previous to this, they had plans that were fairly competitive for you know one or two lines, but then they weren't giving the same discounts a lot of the wireless carriers give when you get into multi-line territory. Uh, and they changed that, right? So yeah. I think that's interesting. I'm not sure I would characterize that as purely defensive, right? I, you know, I think we know that as, as number of lines go up, then churn also tends to go down, right? So from a retention perspective, it makes a lot of sense to offer some degree of discounts and it's why there are discounts on multi-line accounts, right? Because it's less likely that person's going to leave you or that account will leave you over time. Absolutely. You know, it's it's one thing to convince yourself that you want to leave a carrier. It's another thing to convince your spouse and your children that you want to do the same thing, right? The dog just comes along, you know, with, with the connected dog collar. Uh, yeah, no, it, it should it should help Comcast's numbers going forward because, as you mentioned, for three and four lines, the straight $35 is, is at three and four lines not very competitive. And I I don't have insight in, in the distribution of their lines, but I would imagine it's not very 
pretty in three and four, whereas in, in one and two, it's very, very strong. But it's in it for, for, the, for the money, right? And when we then look at Altiz, Altiz has a much, much smaller footprint, right? Well, they've been very public about trying to be profitable now with their customer base, right? And not extending offers that are going to get them in the red. And, and so this is, a, I think, a very kind of defensive play in the sense that they're not willing to spend money ahead of themselves. But then you subscale and then you have to figure out why are you in it, right? And then I think, you know, what Comcast and, and Charter are doing when they bought CBRS Spectrum is very smart because, you know, I, I always say, you know, MVNO is a very good model if you don't want to be successful in, in wireless. The moment you really want to be successful, you need an, an, your own network because then you have owner economics. And when when Comcast and Charter are building their own network and are focusing on offloading in the most densely populated areas, which would make a lot of sense, right? That should really drive down cost. And I think Tom Rutledge, the CEO of Charter, said that the goal was to offload about a third of the traffic and let Verizon build out rural America. Good luck, right? So that's the expensive part of your build-out. And so I think coming back to Altiz, Altiz has to figure out what do we what, what are we doing here, right? It's just a checkbox or what is it? Now when we when we come to Dish, you know, Dish is continuing to go through the problems that come with prepaid in a in a post-pandemic world where where money is sloshing around in the economy due to the stimulus payments both by Democrats and and Republican administrations alike, we have not seen the same kind of economic pain that we have seen in previous recessions where, where basically the bottom fa- fell out of postpaid and postpaid lines actually went negative and prepaid was more than 100% of the growth. We have not seen that at all. And so I think DISH is still in the, at the, in the shallow part of the, the pool here, right, with the sharks further out in the deep water. But secularly, it's, it's not working out economically. The environment is not in favor of prepaid, right? Yeah, I mean, I think when we looked at prior recessions and prior economic downturns, what we saw is that, you know, it takes about nine months to a year for credit to degrade to the point where folks, you know, can't qualify for postpaid and therefore are pushed into prepaid. I think what we saw with the stimulus this time around is that folks aren't getting to the point where they get pushed out of postpaid, right? And so kind of in general, the prepaid market has been shrinking over time, despite the fact that the economy's had some some troubles, specifically because of I think those those stimulus payments, and to the extent that you know, Dish has other issues having to do with you know, T-Mobile turning off their network earlier than they originally had kind of thought. Just from a kind of overall market sector perspective, prepaid is not doing well right now, and, and Dish yeah. is certainly feeling the effects of that. I listened to the Dish earnings call, and I was kind of flabbergasted. Because it was an hour long, 
and nobody talked about the actual performance. And it was an hour-long call about, does Open RAN actually work? And, oh, how does it work with Amazon? And I'm like, yes, it's working. Look at our friends in Japan, Rakuten, and and look at Geo. The stuff is working. Why are you spending an hour again asking, does, does something work in the U.S. that works already in Japan, right? Well, I think there's there's some differences in terms of kind of the the geography you have to cover, right? The the economics of covering one of the the more dense countries in the world in Japan are are I think different than the economics of covering sixty or eighty or ninety percent of the U.S. Right? But, but I think seventy percent of each PEA population wise, they have to cover by when whenever that date is twenty twenty seven, I think. Which is a tough one to make, but in the beginning, they're building out in urban areas. And look at the first market that they're building out is Las Vegas, which is one of the easiest to build out markets, right? It's flat, and you know when that market ends, right? There's like, here's Las Vegas, and there's desert. And so it's very easy to build. The second most easy to build market is actually Miami, because on one side, you go swimming with the fishes, which is the Atlantic. On the other side is the, are the Everglades, and you go swimming with the alligators. And then the south, you have Key West, where nobody, very few people are. You can draw a line. And then in the north, it peters a little bit out. But there's no, like stuff. So I don't think it's that much different. It will get very interesting with Dish when they actually launch their first market. And they hinted again at that that the distribution strategy for postpaid will be a lot different to that of prepaid. So I'm looking for a lot of stores, basically. But we'll see. So in addition to a number of the wireless providers announcing earnings, we also got some earnings news from Big Tech. And I thought these numbers were pretty eye-popping. So Google's ad revenue, which is, as you know, the vast majority of their business was up 32% year over year. Apple's revenue was up even more than that, it looks like. And their iPhone revenue was up 65%. Now that's globally. They don't necessarily report out domestic versus international totals at the product level, but that's still, I thought these were pretty incredible numbers. Facebook went up by by roughly the same amount. It's, It's like giant black holes. The bigger they get, the faster they grow, right? It's amazing. And, you know, there's a lot of talk about the chip shortage, right? Well, now we know where a lot of the chips went into into iPhones. And one of the reasons why, why, by the way, automobile manufacturers are complaining so much about it is they actually canceled a lot of the chip orders they had a year ago. And all of that went into consumer electronics, including phones, because they are selling like hotcakes now, right? Because we all stuck at home. And we see it now in the sales numbers. Samsung had very good numbers, too. 
And so it's going to be interesting where, where this chip shortage will actually go because a lot of the chip manufacturers are a little bit skittish if this will last, right? Because it costs several billion dollars and like three years to build a, a, a new plant. By the way, Qualcomm had very good numbers as well. And Qualcomm mentioned that they see their shortages alleviate by the end of the year. So, so there's more capacity going on. The whole capacity problem also gets com more complicated because there's a drought in uh, Taiwan. And one of the things that a lot of people don't know is that making chips uses an ungodly amount of water. And there were fires in near other places. So all of that really alleviate uh, or, or more complicated that whole problem. But yeah, it's big tech. It's good to be in big tech. When everything else crashes, you come out with record numbers and record growth. Congratulations to big tech for, for doing quite well this quarter. But it also, you know, the timing, I think, is a little, could be potentially troubling, you know, when you're facing antitrust queries, right, and investigations and such, which all these companies are, right? So Google is, Facebook, Apple, et cetera, posting record profits like this, and, and not only just record profits, but huge increases year over year, might be to some extent making some of the opposition's arguments for them, right, in terms of, you know, are these monopoly rents? And, you know, I'm not an economist, but it, it, it seems like these are pretty high numbers relative to the rest of the industry. And they're gaining gaining momentum. And you can very well argue that the concentration is improving. Because like in, in advertising, the overall advertising market, you know, came down by, by 20%. And the, the ad tech companies went up by 30. Somebody got shortchanged, right? And there's only so much you can you can blame on structural changes of how we of how we consume ad. So I, I think it's going to be an interesting quarter as far as antitrust is concerned, right? Like the Epic trial is probably going to kick off here pretty soon, and it's likely that we'll have Tim Cook and the CEO of Epic testifying that as well. There's always interesting things that you find in discovery during these types of trials, so. I think it's going to be interesting, you know, given that this is probably the last quarter that where we'll see results from from Apple before that that trial starts. You know, like I said, it's it's an interesting data point relative to kind of concentration in tech and and kind of the power that companies like Apple and to some extent couple companies like Google as well exert influence over the rest of the ecosystem. Yeah. So. You know, reading the depositions on one hand can be very boring, but also very enlightening. So one of the executives was like arguing that they should put a iMessage version on Android and all the other Apple executives were like that they didn't call him stupid was like was like just about it. But they're like, do you want to make it easier for the other guys? Really? Which is an interesting backdrop also then to our RCS conversation that we had a couple of weeks ago. Stay tuned. Yep. It's going to be fun. All right. Well, that's all we have time for this week. Thanks, Roger. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you. Mm -hmm.